welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. My name is Rebecca Meitinger. We are in a series right now called Do You See This Woman? We are looking at different women throughout the scriptures and how they interact with Jesus and really looking at what do we learn about Jesus as we watch him interact with women throughout the pages of scripture. Today, we are going to look at Eve, who, you know, it's interesting because I think even though she is the first woman who ever lived and she is at the very beginning of the Bible, the only thing that we often think about Eve is the fact that she ate the forbidden fruit. And we might not pause and really consider more of her life and who she was and her interactions with God. And so we are going to do that today. I think we'll have a great time. I have been working on writing a new Bible study under the theme of, Do You See This Woman? And last week I was writing about Eve just having the most fun looking into her story, learning about who she is, seeing her interact with God, and learning about myself and about how I see myself and her story And I'm excited to share that with you today. I'm excited to see if we can have conversation about this. I think I'm also going to write down some of these thoughts in a blog to post a blog that would go along with the podcast. So stay tuned and see if I get that done. (laughs) Um, So today we're going to start in scripture. So we're actually going to start in chapter one of Genesis, even though we don't see the creation of Eve in chapter one, but I believe that she is there, and I'll tell you why I think that. (laughs) Um, So in the first 25 verses of chapter one of Genesis, God creates the whole earth, the world, and the heavens, the earth, stars, all that, and all the creatures. And on day six, God makes the land creatures, and he makes Uh, humankind, male and female, in his image, we're going to pick up right there when he's going to make humankind. So it seems that at this point, the the creatures of the earth have been created, but not not man and woman. So I'm going to pick up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Okay, so just a quick pause there. The us, let us make mankind in our image. That is a direct reference to the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fulfill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it and they will be yours for food. And to the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. All right, so here's why I said that I think Eve was there on day six, because God said to them, it says in verse 28, God blessed them man and woman, as if Adam and Eve were both there. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now, it does seem, as we get further in the text, it does seem that Adam was created, well, 
certainly Adam was created first, but it also does kind of seem that there's like some time that passes because as we're going to see in just a little bit, before Eve is created, Adam has the job of naming all the animals. So I'm not going to claim to understand the timeline here by any means. And I also don't think that the timeline is necessarily the most important thing for us to consider. So what I want to just show us, though, is that God said to both Adam and Eve, be fruitful and increase in number. Clearly, Eve was there when God said that because Adam could not increase and be fruitful and multiply in his by himself. <laughs> so, so Eve is there and God is saying to both of them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the earth, conquer over the earth. He definitely included Eve in that instruction to uh, be kings and queens over the created order. And, and then he told them, I'm going to give you all the trees for fruit. Now, later on, he apparently only tells Adam the prohibition, like this one tree, though, you're not supposed to eat from. So let's jump over there. Let's jump to Genesis chapter 2. So in Genesis chapter 2, we kind of zoom in. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but uh, you should. It's so wonderful. We zoom in and get like a closer up picture of how God created man and woman. And he creates Adam, as we know, uh, through the dirt on the ground. And God breathes into Adam the breath of life, and he became a man. And and then it says in verse 15, so chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, all the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord made a woman out of the rib that he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man and he said, this is, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay, so let's just look at a few details there. So it, it's clear that God was only talking to Adam when he told Adam, okay, this one tree from the garden you cannot eat out of. So are these verses right here that I just read, are these verses happening before Genesis 1, 28, when it says that God blessed them? Because Adam and Eve were both there when God blessed them. So like I said, I'm not going to claim that I understand the timeline of how this all happened, but God had told Adam the, the specific instruction of which tree to not eat from, and he also told him why. It's the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he explained that all to him. Now, another thing that I want to point out to you is that 
it's really amazing how God made Eve. God made Adam by simply getting down into the dirt, um, forming Adam out of the dirt and breathing into his lungs. God could have done the exact same thing to make Eve, but he didn't. <laughs> to make Eve, he he made Eve in such a way that it is clear that Adam and Eve belong together. He wanted them to know intrinsically through their own flesh that they belong together. And he took a rib out of Adam. And Adam is thrilled when he wakes up after God performed his surgery on him. When he wakes up, he's absolutely thrilled to see his wife, to see that God had made him a partner. It's so significant in verse 25 that it says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. In the marital union, there is no shame. There was never supposed to be shame. Shame is the result of the sin and hurt that we have brought into our marriages and our sexual encounters. But the way that God designed marriage and the gift of sexuality and uh, just the gift that God gave of intimacy was supposed to be no shame, no turmoil, no embarrassment, no regret, no awkwardness, just a beautiful gift of intimacy between husband and wife because there was no sin yet in the world to cause the shame, to bring the condemnation. Now, in chapter 3, things are going to change and we're going to see the introduction to shame. And that's really what I want uh, to focus on today. I want us to think about our own shame. And I don't mean certainly just in a sexual manner by any means. I'm just meaning overall, just in, in life as we struggle through sin and challenges and broken relationships and struggle to be vulnerable and honest with one another and with ourselves. I want us to think about shame and how shame was introduced in the garden when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and how they tried to cover up their shame and how ultimately God is the one who covered their shame for them. That's where I want to really land today. So let's dive into the story and see what is going on between Adam and Eve uh, on the day when they ate the fruit. Again, we don't know how long after Genesis 2.25. We don't know how long after that Genesis 3 verse 1 happens. So I'm very curious and I I intend to ask (laughs) when I get to heaven, uh, how long, like how long did Adam and Eve walk in perfect unity with one another? How long did they enjoy this gift of no shame? How long did they have this intimacy with God where they walk in the garden with him? We do not know. Now, here's something interesting. In Genesis chapter four, verse one, it seems to indicate that Adam and Eve did not get pregnant with Cain until they had left the garden. So that does lead me to believe that it wasn't a really long time because they hadn't gotten pregnant and they obviously didn't have any ways to, to, um, you know, avoid pregnancy. So I don't know that they knew anything about natural family planning. Maybe God told them, I'm not sure, but I think that the time here is fairly short, but I also do think that there was a time for a set number of days, weeks, I don't know, where they walked with God 
in perfect unity before they ate the fruit. Things to think about. All right, so I'm going to go into Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, and let's pay really close attention to Eve, to the serpent, to God, and of course to Adam as well. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Okay, so I just want to pause here. I don't have any answers for this, but I'm so stumped by this. Why did God allow the serpent in the garden? I don't know. I'm so stumped by that question. Um, Why was the serpent there? But he is. I don't know why. And notice that right away, Satan starts twisting God's words. Okay, so here's one of the things that we can learn from Eve. We have to know the word of God because we have an enemy who happens to know the word of God. He does know the word of God and he twists it and he says, okay, does God really say da, 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 da? And then he twists it and we think, hmm, does God really say that? I don't know because he is a deceiver. And that's what deception is. Deception is not obvious. So we need to know the word of God. So the serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Okay, we have more problems here. Uh, First of all, Eve is engaging with the serpent. So here's lesson number one for us. When, well, no, lesson number one was that we have to know what God really says. Lesson number two is when the enemy tries to start deceiving us, don't engage. (laughs) Shut it down. (laughs) Get out. Tell him to be quiet. Tell him to go away. Um, Walk away from the serpent when he's trying to lie to us. So Eve engages, and not only does she engage, but she also misquotes God. Uh, So whether or not she heard it wrong from Adam, we don't know, or if it got twisted in her mind. Now, we know that things get messed up in our mind, right? So she may have had a misunderstanding, uh, or she might be exaggerating. (laughs) Do women ever exaggerate? So we're not sure why she has the wrong information here, but she says that God said we must not even touch it. That is not true. God did not say that. Uh, We saw in verse, in chapter 2, verse 17, we saw God say, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. He said nothing about touching the tree. So back to Genesis 3, verse 4. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's planting doubt in her mind. He's encouraging her to disobey God. That is what our enemy does. He encourages us to disobey God. Verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Okay, he was right there beside of her and he would have heard her misquote God. So there again, we don't know how long, how much time had passed 
when God had originally gave this instruction to Adam, and now on this day when they are talking to the serpent, we don't know how long time passed. But you'd think he would remember exactly what God said, that he didn't say anything about touching it. But there he is beside her. She took some and she ate it. And I just think it's crazy why she ate it. She said it looked good. They are in the Garden of Eden. They have everything at their disposal. But this one thing that she wasn't supposed to have looked good to her. And she wanted to have it. Oh my goodness. I am so Eve. I am just like Eve. (laughs) The whole world is at my disposal. But if there's one thing that the Lord's like, Rebecca, this is off limits. That's what I want. You know, we like, we get our minds wrapped around like the one thing that we're not supposed to do. If you give your kids a ton of privileges, but there's one rule that is really important to you, what are they going to focus on? They're going to focus on that one thing and think that you are so strict and like the meanest mom of all (laughs) because of this one thing. That is uh, the sin of Eve. We are all Eve. We are all Eve. So verse 7, after they ate it, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Okay, here's what I really wanted to zero in on today. In verse in, in Genesis 2, verse 25, we learn that the man and his wife were naked and they had no shame. They had perfect intimacy between themselves and God. And when they saw one another naked, it didn't shame them at all. They had no shame about it. Uh, they had a pure and true and beautiful gift of intimacy given to them by God. Now, in verse 7, it says they realized they were nakedness. They realized um, their uncoveredness. And so they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. What we see here is shame being introduced. We see that now when they see their nakedness, it fills them with embarrassment, guilt, misunderstanding, probably blame. They're probably blaming one for like each other for what they did. Um, There is now antagonism that rises up between them and shame is ushered in. And as shame is ushered in, they want to cover themselves up, not just from each other, but also from God. And so they sew together fig leaves. Now, I don't know how they do this. Do they have needles? Do they have anything to use as string? I suppose vines could be used as string, but they sewed together these fig leaves. But what's interesting is that clearly they did not do a good job because in verse 8 it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. That just breaks my heart. They hid from the Lord because they were filled with shame. Their fig leaf covering didn't cover the shame that was in their hearts. It didn't take away the shame that was in their hearts. 
And so they are still hiding from God as he walks in the garden. Now, again, I want to go back to this idea of how long had it been? How long had they been walking with God in perfect intimacy in the garden? And now on this day, God is coming, and I don't know how. How does God, who does not have a human form, how does he come walking in the garden? I don't know. Is this the pre-incarnate Christ who takes on a body like he does often throughout the Old Testament? Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know how it is that the Lord God came and walked in the garden, but he did. And was this a daily habit? Had this been going on for weeks or months where they walked in perfect unity with God through the garden? I mean, can you imagine? And now on this day, God comes walking in the garden. Look, God knows what they did. Here's something so amazing about our God. He knows that Adam and Eve ate the fruit. He is not naive to the fact that they were tempted and that they fell. And yet, after that, after they made that decision to eat the fruit, he still came for his walk. Isn't that wonderful? He came to walk with them in the garden, knowing full well that they had just so disobeyed the one rule he gave them. He loved them so much. He desired their relationship so much that he wanted to walk with them even though they had already eaten the fruit. That is our God. That is our God. He comes for us despite the fact that we continue to disobey over and over and over again. He loves us. So the Lord God is walking in the garden and he knows where they are. They're hiding from him. How often do we do that? Because of our shame, because of our brokenness, we try to hide from God. We try to hide what we did from God. We try to hide our true feelings from God. If we're upset with God, we try to hide that from him. If we are questioning, we try to hide that from him. When we fall short and give into temptation, we we try to hide that from God and don't want to talk about it with him honestly. They are hiding from God. That is all the result of shame. So they're hiding from God, but let's focus on the questions of God. In verse 9, God it says, But the Lord God called out to the man, Where are you? Isn't that beautiful? I love this so much. Where are you? Look, God knows. God is not wondering where Adam and Eve are. <laughs> he certainly knows exactly which tree they're hiding behind. And yet he gives them the dignity of showing themselves to him on their own accord in their own time. He doesn't like, you know, pull back the branches and say, ha, I caught you. That is not who our God is. He beckons to them. Where are you? I don't think this is an angry voice. I don't think that they are like, they might be trembling in their boots, but it's certainly not because of God. It's because of their own shame if they're trembling. God is just beckoning to them. Where are you? I'm here for our walk. Where are you? Adam answered, verse 10, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Okay, this is really incredible because he has fig leaves over him. Now, the fig leaves might not be doing a great job of covering all the parts, (laughs) but They probably did a decent job. They probably worked on it for a while. But he still feels naked. Why? 
because he has shame now. He is, he he knows that the Lord God sees not only his outward skin and his body, that is nothing new to God. God is the one who formed his body. But Adam knows that God can see what I did. I am naked before God. God sees my hearts. He sees what I my heart. He sees my actions. He sees my thoughts. He sees my mind. He knows what I did. He saw the temptation. He saw me eat the fruit. God sees everything. And now I feel naked. That is shame. That is what shame does. God said in verse 11, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I love how God is giving Adam and Eve an opportunity to do the right thing, to confess. God is so gracious and patient, giving us opportunity to come to him and and confess our sin. And it says in um, Acts chapter 3, I think... Verse 19, I think, says that um, that when we confess our sins, times of refreshing will come from the Lord. Like he gives us that opportunity to confess so that he can refresh our souls. It's so beautiful. So he gives Adam and Eve this opportunity to confess. But in verse 12, <laughs> Adam doesn't do that. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. <laughs> Oh, he blames her. Well, then, verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. She blames the serpent. Even though if you look back in the text, Eve herself is the one who misquoted God. She is the one who said, We can't even touch the tree. So she's blaming the serpent, but she is absolutely holding blame in the situation so is um so is adam like they both are to blame but they both blame others so then the lord god said to the serpent because you've done this okay and then he goes into his list of curses the curses that are going to fall on the earth upon animals and upon adam and eve and the ground itself for the sin i'm not going to read through all of those uh, but I encourage you to to do that. And I want us to think about the grace that is in those curses. Uh, because when we, we all know this if we're parents, when we punish our kids, it is because we love them. Um, let's see here in Hebrews, I think chapter 10, it says that when we give consequences in times of punishment, that we will reap a harvest of peace. So, giving consequences for sin reaps a harvest of peace and that is what God wants for us so that's what the consequences of this sin that's the goal of it is to to bring us into alignment to teach us to walk with God but it's painful but what I want to do as I wrap this up what I want to do is I want to jump down to verse 20 of chapter 3 and I want to see how this wraps up because we can see so wonderfully the grace of God as he wraps up this story of his story with Eve and Adam. So verse first of all in verse 20 it says Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. Now I just think that's fascinating. Did she not have a name before this (laughs) or 
did he give her a name before, like earlier, right, right, right when she was made, but we just weren't told her name? I'm not sure. But the fact that it is listed in the scripture right here makes me believe that God wanted us to know that even though, yep, there's going to be curses, there's going to be pain with childbirth for Eve, that he still is bestowing on her the gift of becoming the mother of all the living. So way back in Genesis 1, when he told Adam and Eve to multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the earth, their sin didn't change that. And he still wants Eve to be the mother of all the living. He still wants Adam and Eve to rule over the earth. They are still the king and the queen of the earth. And he wants them to rule under under his leadership to rule the earth. Verse 21, then we see this incredible grace of God. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. So he himself caused an animal to shed blood possibly for the first time depending on how we how we time out the creation timeline but for the first time possibly a death occurred a death of an animal because God wanted to clothe Adam and Eve in garments of skin he made them clothes he knew their fig leaves weren't working <laughs> he knew that they needed a more adequate covering for their shame and their guilt and their sin for their lack of vulnerability, for their lost intimacy, he knew that they needed a more adequate covering. And so in tremendous grace, like what a move of incredible sacrifice and kindness that God would somehow cause a buffalo or a cow or some other animal to die so that the leather or the fur could become clothes for Adam and Eve. Just incredible and a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus because the Lord Jesus died to take away our shame for our sin. He covered us in his righteousness. He took our sins so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Jesus himself wanted to clothe us in righteousness. And so he himself took that death upon himself. And that is what God does for Adam and Eve. He covers them. He covers their shame. He covers their guilt. He covers their sorrow with his own love and his own mercy and his own gift of sacrifice. And that is what God does for us. So as we consider Eve, uh, I just want us to know that we are so like her. And as she was stumbling around with her guilt and her shame and noticing, oh my goodness, I'm naked and everyone can see me and everyone (laughs) sees what's wrong with me. God covered her. Like God covered her. And when she was trying to hide from God because she was so embarrassed of what she had done, God came to her and he said, where are you? Like, I want to walk with you. Even though you've disobeyed me, I want to walk with you. Will you come out of hiding and walk with me and let me cover you? That's what I want to do for you, Eve. And that's what God That's what God wants to do for you and I as well. God has never changed from this story 
till now, however many thousands of years ago this was, God has not changed. And really, neither have we. I mean, a lot of things have changed, but really, we haven't changed all that much from Eve. And God hasn't changed at all from Eve, from the days that he walked with Eve. And so let us just remember that today. If you're feeling um, downtrodden by shame or guilt or remorse, uh, let God cover it. Let God cover your shame and rest in his covering. And of course, the covering is uh, is what Jesus did on the cross. The righteousness that Jesus gives us through the cross of Christ is how he covers us. So just rest in it and know that it doesn't change the call that God has on your life. Just like it didn't change what God was calling Adam and Eve to live and what to do and to rule over the earth, it doesn't change what God is calling us to do either. And, uh, and just rest in that. I pray that that would give you peace and hope and joy today and that you would let him take your shame and cover you with his righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.